1: At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get
2: you taken care of.
3: This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
2: Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined on the Axon Bulletin by Colin Watt and Amy Canavan. Welcome back. How are you today after a victory? A nice
0: surprise, eh? I know.
2: It's been
4: a while coming, hasn't it? (laughs)
2: We we used to get maybe a a fix twice a week With victories, it's been a while Um, Yes, now What I would say is on a Celtic state of mind I don't get carried away If we win a game, I certainly don't But I'd much rather we did win than not But Neil Lennon did Ask for a reaction from his players Um, after the St Mirren game he came out he said, you know the players need to stand up and be counted, they need to help me out here do you think he got that reaction Colin last night? Was anything different last night?
4: I I really don't know Um, it it was a kind of strange one wasn't it? If you take the the game out of context and you look at it it's just a 90 minutes throughout the season Um, it certainly was a, a good performance you saw a lot of the good sides of Celtic last night um, odds on Edward was certainly um, on what we know to be some of his best form uh, it was a good debut from John Joe Kenny last night uh, what you could see the difference there was he certainly did have a final ball, um, some of the balls he was cutting across the, the back line were superb um, and then David Turnbull David Turnbull is, he must be the signing of the season surely um, I, I know Laura Bradburn got a bit of stick a while back by saying that um, he's the next Paul McStay, but I think a, a few more people are coming round to her train of thought. Um, some of the passing and, and some of his, his vision is, is top class. The only thing I could ask for is, uh, would he be able to uh, be given 90 minutes from Lennon? Will Lennon give him 90 minutes at some point this season? Um, that was That's all I can ask for. Stephen Welsh, I thought, played really well as well. Um, he looks a comfortable defender it was good to see Iron moved alongside him mm-hmm. it certainly looks as if they could form a partnership um, and Albinayeti. Um I've always said I think there is a fantastic player inside there I think he's one of those confidence players that really needs to get a goal to get him going and you just saw it from his finish last night holding off the defender um, and putting it across the goalkeeper he also done very well to win the penalty as well so um, taking that 90 minutes out of the context of the rest of this season it was a very good performance
2: Well it was and some of the points you've touched on Colin we'll look in a wee bit more depth throughout the bulletin I think first and foremost playing Kilmanic at Rugby Park on a Tuesday night regardless of how you're playing you would come away with a 4 nothing victory you'd be happy with that Amy?
0: Yeah, absolutely, it is a pitch that we've struggled on in recent years. Um, not just ourselves, a lot of teams have. It's not the it's not the nicest surface, um, even just by looking by it. So you know, as Colin says it is it was a very good a very good performance, nice and complete. I think Biggest like clean sheet, um, that was nice and positive as well. But I don't want to be too pessimistic, but you don't want to get carried away. it's a, it's a really struggling Kelly side. Um, you know, managerless. I don't even think it was an expected start in eleven so sort of thing. It was um there was, there was a few shocks in there but no they, they're not the, the most complete side out there um, there was a lot of gaps a better side I think a better side would have put their chances away they had a few decent chances um, yeah. still looking at, I, I was assured I think um, Russell touched on it last night I think Welsh looked assured I think that's, that's, um, that's pretty clear to see but there's there's still that little bit of nerve and you see a crossball coming in um and the nerves are still there now that's not going to go after after one game I'm, I'm not um, trying to, trying to predict that or anything like that but you know it was a good performance and you just sort of have to hope that a string of results follow this it can't just be a one-off um and I think that's the biggest fear is right it's um. Motherwell other well now coming up, and there's diff- you just you just want to put a string of results together and a string of performances. But no, there was a lot of positives to take from last night. Definitely try and keep, keep positive.
2: Yeah, there was a, there was definitely more of a, a tempo about Celtic's play. I felt uh, you were talking about partnerships, columns. So we all started at the back. You know, there's been a lot of talk around the goalkeeper, for example, who is our on number one. Well, last season's arguably last season's number three is now our number one the big signing has um, dropped to the bench and, and Hazard I'm not going to call him young Hazard because he's 22 um mm-hmm. He's now out of the picture again. Obviously, the third choice now. Bain doesn't fill me with confidence. I've got to be totally honest. I'm not being negative here. There was a few crosses and he's thrown his fists at them. Um, There was the time, the moment in the first half. I think that's one of the chances that maybe Amy was referring to, where I think Greg Taylor did well enough to put the boy off, but Scott Bain was not commanding enough in his 6 shad box. He's got to come out and make the decision for the defender there. So that was a slight concern. But um, the counter argument would be. Every time he plays, he's playing behind a different defence so let's have a look at that defence it looks as though Taylor, Colin there's no way he was playing simply because he knows he knows the pitch and he, and he knows the, the stadium and all this kind of stuff, he's, he's starting to put a few games together, Greg Taylor at left back he's now, it would appear, the first choice left back, I think we got far more balance out of John Joe Kenny, so let's talk about the new man how impressed were you with his performance, The the fact that he constantly gave an out ball on the right hand side wasn't afraid to ping the ball in I think I counted maybe six or seven crosses from the right um, definitely outweighed the distribution of Taylor on the left and then you're then looking at the, the centre half partnership of Ayer and Welsh and until Julian comes back I would definitely stick with Welsh and Ayer in the central defensive area what's your thoughts overall on the defence Colin What? I
4: agree with you on Scott Bean Um There was times last night, and there's been times since Bain's been in, that you're just going, oh, like he's just not filling you with any sort of confidence at all. Um, Even some of the the things that he he did last night, you you wouldn't expect that from a a competent goalkeeper. Um, He made a couple of decent saves, but he he didn't really command the area. Um, There was one uh, where Kilmarnock had a succession of two corners in a short period of time. And the first corner, we just managed to get away somehow. We cleared it. I think it just kind of hit off Bain um, and then we we cleared it. There was no command of that area. He came out and sort of missed the ball. And then Commander take another corner and you hear the shout from Scott Bain saying, right lads, same again. And you're going, no, no, no. You've got to learn from the mistakes from the first time round. Even though we didn't concede, you've got to arrange your defence a bit better. Um, But as you say, it could be that we've just not had a kind of stable four in front of them. Um, and going forward for the rest of the season I would probably say this is the four that you want to play uh, I thought Kenny played really well he came in he was assured he looked very confident going forward um, and he was always looking for the ball and that's all you can ask for from players is that they always want the ball no matter how they're playing um, Iron and uh, Welsh at centre half Welsh looks as if he can be the, the kind of guy going forward um, that is maybe your, your third or fourth choice if you've got guys like Julian and more experienced centre-halves in there, and you wouldn't be afraid to throw them in. Um, And when there's injuries, you're like, okay, it's fine. Welsh can step in there and they can do a job. And that's what you need out of your centre-halves. You need three or four that you know are competing for a jersey, and you know that it's not a case of, oh no, Stephen Welsh is playing, or, oh no, Nier Beton's playing. You just need to know that you can trust the guy to come in whenever he's called upon, and I think Welsh can do that. Um, And Greg Taylor, as you said, another assured performance. Um, he's, He's certainly come back into the side. And he knows that if he has a poor game, Diego Laxalt comes back in. So you're seeing the effects of the competition for that place.
2: See, when you're talking there about um, Welsh not having any fear, almost as a backup, third, fourth choice, had Neil Beaton been fit last night, do you think Lenny would have gone to him? He seems to be a a go-to for Neil Lennon. Because personally, I would be playing Stephen Welsh every day of the week at centre-half ahead of Neil Beaton. What's your thoughts, Colin? I know you're a big Beaton
4: fan. (laughs) Uh, Before this season, aye. He's kind of let me down this year. But no, I don't know. Lennon's got the, the habit of going with the tried and tested. He's seen it for so long this season. Even when results weren't going his way, he stuck with the tried and tested and it didn't work for him. Eventually he changed it up. I, I don't think Stephen Welsh has done anything that would say that if near Beton was fit again, he should be like dropped for Beton to come back in. I really don't. Um, even the game against Hibs, when I thought he was very good in that game as well, the next game Beton's fit are available again, and then he comes for me I would stick with Welsh I have a horrible feeling that Lennon would go back to beat Um, on I'm sure quite a lot of people in the comments would agree I think Welsh is probably ahead of him in the ranking
2: What about yourself Amy? Let's have a look at the new signing I thought it was a promising uh, debut from John Joe um, Kenny and also I think that Welsh has done enough to be that partner alongside Dyer he's definitely ahead of the, the pack for me when it comes to Duffy and also Beaton absolutely no doubt about that
0: yeah exactly the same for me um, I think you touched on it there That's the sort of, I think that's the four the majority of Celtic fans would like to go for until between now and the end of the season um, more than anything it's important that well according to Lennon it looks like consistency isn't key but to me I still think that is Um want a bit of stability and yeah that's that's sort of what you saw last night Um, yeah touching on John Joe Kenny I think he was solid I think that's all you can sort of ask for um, in a debut certainly looked fit enough Um, there's something new around Celtic uh, hit and match fitness so again it was something something promising to see again like we say Welsh wasn't particularly tested but um, when he was called upon funny, he done well he um, looked like, look comfortable, looked assured I and mean, when you've got somebody like Chris Iyer beside you then of course that's reassuring um, you're going to be more confident looking, looking to your left and seeing and him than, than, than Beton and probably than Julian at this point as well I still think Chris Iyer's best we've got so yeah, Greg Taylor again I'm, I've long been an advocate of, of Greg Taylor ahead um, of how he lacks out um, so I'm more than happy to see him get a run of games together I just think it always gives 110% and if you're getting that on both flanks then that's surely only a positive going forward but yeah more than happy with that back last night
2: Now you you mentioned Ayer there and I just want to you know tie that in with the comments after the Ferenc Varros game uh, whereby Neil Lennon told the world um, that there were agitators in the the dressing room and there were people who had wanted to leave Celtic for some time I think we've uh, we've we've allowed two of them to leave in this transfer window in Frimpong and in Cham. We didn't know at the time how damaging it was going to be, but obviously when there's players a number of players within a dressing room that don't want to be there, you know, that can percolate under the, the surface and it can affect other people and it can affect the the dressing room and the harmony. And I think that has happened at Celtic, there's no doubt about it. One player who we knew that was interesting Uh, all along was Chris Ayer we heard Paolo Medini um, actually confirming that AC Milan were interested in him we heard the lofty transfer fees that he was being linked with but one thing I would point out is Ayer has never let himself down you know he's never been perfect No, no one has but the way he approaches the game every game he's committed I feel that he's a leader I said this other day on Twitter I I actually think Ayer is a born leader I think he'll be a captain uh, probably of 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 his international side but one thing's for sure he's never let the Celtic uh, support down I don't think he's let his teammates down he's always even if he does want away and I, I expect that he probably does in the summer I think the way that he has gone about his business has been first class Colin what's your thoughts?
4: Yeah I can't disagree with any of that um And the thing is as well is Ayer's still very young Um, considering that he he moved to Scotland at the age of 17 I think he's been here now what four or five years maybe I know we we said Connor Hazard's not young at 22 but that's slightly different Chris Ayer is is still quite young at at his age when you look at the experience that he's got um, the fact that he is a a mainstay within his national team he is probably arguably our best centre half Um, and at some times before John Joe Kenny signed our best right back as well so, uh, if he could, and if you could convince him to stay, he would be someone that you'd absolutely build the team around. You'd be looking for Ayer at centre-half alongside someone else. You're looking to midfield for Soro, Turnbull and McGregor. Um, you're looking to build a spine of the team, and he would be part of that. But, as you say, I think he, he is looking to develop his career. And considering his professionalism whilst he's been here, it'd be hard to argue um, against that for him. I think he'll go to the next level, definitely. he could be as big as Virgil van Dijk for me um, with how he plays it'll just depend on his next move and where he goes but there's certainly a lot more to come from Chris Ayer.
2: That's a bold statement, Colin. I say that because people will balk at that that um, comparison between Ayer and, and Van Dyke But I think also you're basing it on a lot of the figures that uh, Celtic by numbers were producing in relation to the performance of defenders. Um, Amy, again, you know, you could be one of these sulky players, like in Cham, who simply downs tools, decides I'm not playing, or you could be a guy like Ayer, who, you know, I, I get what you're saying there. Although he's the same age, Colin, you look at the games that he's played. Uh, the honours that he's won already, um, he's established in a Norwegian setup. He's 22 years of age. I think often we forget that, um, and, and you know, I would use the same with regards to Edward. You forget he's just turned 23, and also, uh, yet he's only 23. You always think about Edward as being a young player. He's the same age as a Yeti Um, and I'll come back to that partnership later on but when you're looking at at Ayer Amy I do get a sense with everything that's happening all the upheaval and undoubtedly there's going to be a lot of change in the summer he is one we're going to lose I I fear
0: yeah I fear so as well I think like you say um, despite his young age the I think one of the best things he done was going loan to He gained a, a lot of experience there um, at a young age so yeah he's certainly he's sort of got everything going for him doesn't he like you say he's got age on his side he's got a lot of experience he's an established internationalist big clubs so look at that then there's not a lot of good good centre halfs out there right now, um, and every, and everybody knows that. You look at the likes of Liverpool; they're, they're scrambling to get them, but not even even further afield. And it seems all the good ones they are they're well comfortable within their side. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a struggling market. So I do I do see big big um, big clubs coming in for IR. I think as you touched upon he's 22. He takes a hell of a lot of, um, it takes a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. Um, you just need to touch back to the the quadruple treble. like taking that final penalty that's a it's a big move and like you say that's a touch of class as well he's not let Milan sort of debacle and and comments and, and influence influence his place sort of thing it's you've, you've seen him like you say stay professional not sort of spat the, the dummy out
3: as the number one audio company iheartmedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iheartmedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more it's the marketer's report Not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
0: And he's, he stayed focused and he looks, he looks involved, he looks committed, he's still mm. as passionate as ever. Something that's really been lacking in that in that Celtic side, you would sort of think that he's a homegrown player, came up through the academy and supported Celtic all his life sometimes, the way that you look at how passionate he is um, on the field. a goal goes in and you see him run the length of the park. There's that sort of commitment and, and passion is is dying sorry, in Celtic this season in particular. So, yeah, he's definitely been a touch class above above some others. Um, but I, as a fear, I do think he'll he'll definitely be away at the end of this season.
2: He's a linchpin in a defence for me and I miss him celebrating when he wins challenges. Remember he did that when he first came into the side. He would win a sliding tackle and celebrate as if he'd scored a goal. Um, now, with regards to the the other defender who obviously was introduced last night in place of at right back John Joe Kenny how how happy were we with transfer business what I mean by that is I look at uh, Rangers strengthened I think Rangers strengthened they didn't sell any of their assets uh, Hibs stayed as strong as they were before we went into the transfer window by keeping a hold of Porteous and Nisbet, but I think Aberdeen um, have have come out weaker, so when we're looking at obviously pulling together a run of uh, consistent results um, I'm looking at Hibs, I think that they're going to come better, I don't think they've been great over the last few weeks, but Celtic um, for me, they're certainly no any weaker by uh, releasing uh, Enchanted Marseille and uh, allowing Frimpong to go to Germany and then bringing in John Joe Kenny, now before we move on to the transfers, Colin, what did we do differently last night? Why the change in tempo? Why the change in what looked like a a far more structured approach to the game? What do you think it was?
4: Uh, By the way, I would would also argue with you on the the Aberdeen thing. I'm not sure they came out that transfer window um, weaker. I think the the idea was that Sam Cosgrove was um, definitely going to move on. Um, but bringing in someone like Florian Camberry and uh, Fraser Hornby, I think offers you a good thing going forward. I know they didn't play well last night, but I think if they settle, they could be a, a good side.
2: Camberry, um, but, Camberry, just on that point, Colin. Camberry, settle.
4: I, I think he's. I know it's it's not something you'd expect, um, but he is. He's got a bit of talent in there. Um, No, Fraser Hornby, I think, is the one to look out for. He's going to try and play his way into the Scotland side this summer. Um, And to me, he's definitely a better option than Ollie McBurney. So one to keep an eye out for um, for the second half of the season. What did we do different yesterday? (sighs) That's a hard one. Um, Kilmarnock were very, very poor. They were very poor. Um, As Amy alluded to earlier on, the team that they put out last night had a couple of changes in it the centre half pairing uh, wasn't there with Stuart Finlay and Kirk Broadfoot uh, they had the the boy Rossi who's on loan from Bournemouth who I actually thought put in a decent shift in the first half it was getting to the stage where he was intercepting a lot of Celtics through balls I, I don't know you still saw the, the killie of old um, last night with guys like Power and Dicker throwing themselves about um, getting themselves involved It just seemed to be that Celtic were a bit more clinical. We didn't create a lot of chances but the ones that we did create we took and that's been something that we haven't seen from Celtic a lot this season. There's been times when you've been playing games and creating maybe 20-30 opportunities and you're only winning 1-0 or you're drawing one each Um, it was the fact that we actually took those chances uh, last night the ball threw from um, David Turnbull to Eddie for the, the third goal was outstanding um, probably was offside when you look at it um, but the fact that he just had the composure to let it settle and then put it past the goalkeeper um, it's something that we've, we've lacked this year has been composure in front of goal um, and last night it just all seemed to click and it's been a long time coming
2: yeah, it has. And um, before we move into the midfield area, we've been talking about transfers. We can't talk about transfers without touching on uh, Olivier and Cham. Amy, uh, for years to come, when they're talking about transfers in football that, that rock the world of football, this is going to be one of them. Um, and people were saying yesterday, you know, all around uh, in Cham being a, a player that wasn't wanted by the manager. Uh, of two clubs and he's got one of them the sack and uh, obviously Anthony Joseph made the quip why, why don't we send him back and see if we can get Lenny the sack which I thought was a wee bit harsh anyway uh, Olivier and Cham yesterday uh, causing ripples all around Europe what was your thoughts on that?
0: Just a bit of a mess that because eh? imagine being him I think somebody it Celtic are here they, they put out it's like when you your friend invites you around but he's no ticked it off with his mum and she's in a she's in a mood or something. And it, it was it's that sort of vibe. Um what well, wouldn't they want to be him right now? That's a that's an awkward encounter. He's not having to be honest, Marseille aren't having the best of time right now. I think last week there was fires at the training ground, wasn't there? It's mm-hmm. um there's there's a lot of a lot of unrest there and hence why ABB's definitely just wanting to, to run out what an odd one to do is that what tips them over the edge like bringing a player that you don't want that's um, like you say it it puts in a real predicament Um, so I wouldn't bank on getting that 4.5 million in the summer from them for him so it's um, yeah
2: the big thing is we've got David Slight on the team Amy and David is a, a massive fan of French football, he yeah. spoke about it the other week there, so he was telling us all about the scenes, and by the way, these scenes at Marseille weren't because, uh, in Champs sign, this was before in Champs, but um, you know, the Ultras turn up at the training ground, 300 strong and they cause absolute chaos uh, one player was struck, a game was postponed as a result of it, I mean it was absolute mayhem, you know um, mm-hmm. and you know, we obviously as a fan base got absolute pelters for the protests after the Ross County game and uh, you look at the way that the Marseille fans approached that Olivier N. Cham has walked into that situation the manager is, is feeling so aggrieved that he's there um, and I don't think it was anyth- anything personal he simply didn't rate him he didn't like his attitude uh, and so he has is resigned but then the club says suspended it's, uh, what I'm looking at though is the bigger picture of that is Marseille will now be looking for a new manager who are they linked with? Rafa Benitez and the, the reason I'm bringing that up is there are going to be clubs under various different circumstances between now and the end of the season that part company with a manager the vacancy becomes available and some of these excellent coaches that are currently available will be snapped up you know, you're know, you looking at the Newcastle situation with Stevie Bruce I like Stevie Bruce always liked him as a player um, Celtic were very close to signing him when he was at Norwich he was an excellent player for Man United um, he seems to have run his race with Newcastle that's going to end one way they're going to go out and get one of these Managers who are available, and then the list gets shorter and shorter for candidates when it comes to Celtic. And that, for me, is a, is a big concern. We heard this morning, of course, that Bournemouth had parted company with Eddie Howe's uh, right hand man, Jason Tindall. So you then start thinking, well, the, the old gang could get back together should Eddie Howe you know, fancy a job at Newcastle or, or elsewhere so the incham um, situation is far wider reaching than uh, first uh, envisaged and, and it kind of sheds light on the fact that we have failed to move on the managerial front and all the good guys may, might have gone by the time we get our finger out Colin what's your thoughts on that? I mean it's a proper managerial merry-go-round down south there's going to be loads more changes
4: uh, uh, there was a tweet yesterday and it's just worth bringing up and it's um, we, we managed to get rid of the Marseille manager before we get rid of the Celtic manager um, uh, that is an incredible situation over there um, and we, we were speaking just before we came on air and we are saying that in the future when you look at it it will be one of those transfers that absolutely rock the world of football uh, the fact that uh, Villas Boas came out in a press conference Basically slaughtered Olivier Incham, saying that his um, his demeanour and his character was everything that he didn't want at his football club. Um, that just ask the question why they signed him. Um, now he's available, so he'll be linked with a lot of the big jobs that's coming up. Um, and he is a very talented manager as well. Uh, and taking a look at um, the likes of Jason Tindall being. Uh, let go of his duties at Bournemouth I think he wasn't ready for a manager's job when you look at it I think he's he's better suited to going back to being in the partnership with How? I think he'll look forward to that where will they go we mentioned before we went on air West Brom could be sacking the manager again that was a complete disaster of an appointment bringing in Big Sam Um I don't even know what that was. He was looking to get the game stopped only a couple of weeks into his his reign. He knew he'd made a mistake taking over that job. We also had um, the interview on a Celtic State of Mind with Mark Hughes yesterday. Um, There's good managers out there. Mm -hmm. um, And it only takes something else to happen for other managers to become available. So as much as I would be looking for Celtic to um, make a move on someone like Eddie Howe, Um, and bringing in Jason Tindall as his assistant you just never know um, what will happen when it comes round to it because I, I really don't think we'll see a change between now and the end of the season
2: What's your thoughts, Amy? Because again, looking at last night, you, you look at the rest of the season, the maximum points that Celtic could possibly win, uh, shorten that gap slightly between Celtic and Rangers, play for that professional pride that Neil Lennon spoke about. Um, are you still thinking about new managers? Or are you resigned to the fact that we're actually going to just see this entire season out with what we have in place at the moment? I just feel that there's, there's good talent out there, and if we don't go for it, there's, there's going to be jobs, the Bournemouth jobs now available. Um, you know, Sam Allardyce and Stevie Bruce's uh, jackets are on sugarly pegs, as they say. And there's going to be other managerial casualties and a lot of these talented managers are going to get snapped up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's um, the story of Celtic season, acting far too slow. Um, not going to act quick enough and won't get any of these sort of top-class managers or, or elite managers, whatever you want to put in that bracket. And I do probably see us now just, I think... the. It's just it is just the sneaky complacency, and we probably will just have to ride this season out. Now, um, I think I just keep thinking if it was if to happen, it would have happened by now. That is as us, that is as in February now. If I would the manager really want to come in? Obviously, there's the prospect of having a new CEO in the summer, and that is a little bit appealing. Of course, that is because um, everything that you want to not brand toxic, but everything that sort of goes wrong with Celtic over the years it is it's Lawwell and the money so it is, it's, a, it's a clean slate, it's a new chapter so it, is, it would be a, a more exciting time in the summer to come in to be, to be Celtic manager. But right now I, I, I genuinely do not see us acting any time soon because I, I believe that we would have acted act by now but like you say, there is going to be more um, manager positions come up down south there's going to be roles that you're not telling me that i um, that managers wouldn't want the Bournemouth job and I know they've not got the biggest budget but still it's an interesting club they've had a, a pretty decent transfer window just saying uh, Shane Long on loan there's some good players um, going about around that squad they're getting rid of they got rid of Dan Gosling, who's just sort of been floating about so they're, they 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 are going through that transition period, and everybody wants to win the championship. A lot of managers say that, and championship is a, is a is a level that a lot of managers like to go at, and then they've got promotion. Because if you earn that right to promotion, then you earn that right to have the Premier League money and the funds, and you can build your squad. So as it's it is it's a, it's a lucrative job. Um, but yeah, like you say, I just I just feel we'll act too slow as we have done all all sort of season. Um, and we'll just see it out and probably miss an Eddie Howe or or whoever's next on that list. Um, I, I don't I don't believe Benitez. Don't, he's sort of been linked to the Napoli job, hasn't he? But Gattuso mm. is still in a job for now, so um, I certainly wouldn't tell Gattuso he's getting sacked. So, um, <coughs> but yeah, I just I don't I don't see us acting any quicker than than um, what we should be doing because why would we change now?
4: Thing There's is. A point that, sorry Paul there was a point that Amy made there about um managers looking to win the championship and Steve Cook was on Sky Sports news the other day and he was talking about potentially taking another job now obviously he had uh, born with when they were in the Premier League he's looking to kind of make a step up and he was saying that um he doesn't necessarily want to maybe go into the Premier League he wants to take a team and develop them and then bring them up through the championship. That's what a lot of managers are looking for now and that's why these jobs in the Championship are so attractive to managers. I've seen some comments coming in saying, do you think the Bournemouth job's more appealing than the Celtic job? Um, and for a lot of English-based managers, I think it is because I don't think they understand um, what it's like to manage someone like Celtic and the pressures that are on you from the minute that you take the job. When you Any drop point, any defeat, any loss is almost a disaster. Whereas at Bournemouth, they'd be given the time to build their own squad and uh, develop it through there. So if someone's looking for a project, they might choose Bournemouth.
2: You know the thing, uh, Colin, Amy actually said there that the, the blame always gets put at to the Dory Peter Lawwell and the finances. Some people, Amy, blame the podcasts. It's the podcasts that have caused all this <laughs> Um incredibly enough and there's a cult of Axon as well apparently which is very interesting because obviously I email you what we're going to talk about and I tell you exactly what you're going to say and everybody's to agree uh, according to this guy so that's interesting now when we're, when we're talking Colin about managers and you look at let's go back to, to Brennan Rodgers for example now we are accepting of the fact that players use Celtic as a, as a stepping stone and we use them to make a profit so it works both ways everybody knows everybody's being used and that's fine um, in the past obviously uh, it's not really been the, the same way when it comes to Celtic appointing a manager when Brennan Rodgers came to Celtic he had one eye on getting back into English football you know that that was fine and everybody kind of knew that the way that he'd done it and the timing in which he did it was wrong Um I would look at the the next move of Steven Gerrard being similar and I don't mean to the same level down south but he's looking to then progress by getting a job down south there, there are going to be other managers looking at that Colin and thinking that the Celtic and indeed the Rangers job may be attractive in the respect of it gives you that step up the ladder to then move back to the English game so I think yeah. that will always make the Celtic job a big job and I don't I don't dispute what you're saying about various managers looking at Bournemouth and other clubs down there as being a a better proposition. But they will be looking at what happened with Brennan Rodgers. And I think they will be looking at Stephen Gerrard with his next move because, you know, I'm pretty sure he will. His stock has risen and he'll take that step back. I think what's key to Celtic uh, going forward is that we don't fall into the trap of trying to appoint a profile manager based on profile. And from all the names that I see on all the lists, what I'm talking about here is Frank Lampard, right? That's not Mm -hmm. the kind of appointment. Um, And some might say I'm being unfair about Frank's uh, coaching ability, managerial ability. For Celtic, I don't think... I think he's a kind of box office name. Of course he is. But it would be based on profile. So the manager that we're going for, and everybody thinks that uh, I'm Mark Cousy's agent, and uh, that interview <laughs> yesterday was a job interview. Um, who am I going to get on next? Well, we'll try for Rafa Benitez, shall we? We'll see if uh, if he does it. Interestingly enough, I noticed that Ralph.
3: It's the marketers' report this week. Patrizia Spanioletto, global chief marketing officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: Brainyak has given interviews to The Coach's Voice on, on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen that. Colin, the, the series of videos, they go right under the the floorboards with coaches. They try and speak about the mentality, the the philosophy, the football philosophy that they have. Um, they tap into things like you know sports science, data analysis, player recruitment, mm-hmm. the structure of a football club. Um, so it's not just about oh, tell me what happens in the changing room. Give me a funny anecdote. They actually try to get under the skin of the coaches and some of the great interviews that managers have given have been to that site so they've obviously got a link to Ranyak and I think Ranyak would be a very interesting um, individual to speak to to see if if he can shed any light on his aspirations going forward and I think that when we're looking at the situation at Celtic I get the sense that Neil Lennon knows what's happening um, and the club know what they're doing but as a fan base we simply don't and a big part of that is due to the engagement and the fact that, you know, there was a review, so we thought we might know what was going to happen with the managerial situation, but we haven't had uh, the results of that review, so we simply don't know and we're guessing. But I, I'm almost resigned now to the fact that Neil Lennon and his team will be here until the end of the season, that there is a plan in place, which means that if you're going to do that, it's going to be very risky unless you have an agreement with someone in place. You know, because otherwise one of these clubs are going to come along and pull the rug from under your feet Ben Davis style because they yeah. can offer more money and they can offer a bigger platform and all of these things that's my biggest worry Colin
4: I also have a feeling that Dominic Mackay is probably doing his own review at the minute um, he, he's not going to walk into the job completely blind and if he does he's not the kind of appointment that you're looking for Celtic to be making here um, We've we mentioned how this was sort of the end of an era for Celtic. This is the, the time to rebuild um, from scratch. And if Dominic McKay is going to walk into the job in July, I'm sure he'll have done his homework in the background so that he knows what he's coming into. Um, and there's there's more than just fan engagement here um, because he knows he's got to get a lot of the fans back on side. One look at Celtic's Twitter feed to anything they post right now tells you the feeling of the Celtic fan base. Um, I think he'll be doing his own review. He'll be making his plans now for the summer. As you say, you've really got to get them in concrete. Otherwise, um, deals can move away from you just the same way that the Ben Davies deal did where Celtic believed they had him on a pre-contract that wasn't signed and then in comes Liverpool to make the the, the move. If there's a, a review going on about the managerial position, that has to be signed and you have to know once it's done that come the start of next season X, Y or Z is going to be in charge and I think that's probably now why you're not seeing the outcome of this January review that we've been promised because it's still ongoing, once the, the new person was appointed he'll be told this is his reign this is what he can do and if you get the idea that Peter Lowell was going to carry out the review and we're going forward with Peter Lowell's plans, it would only be a short term fix because he's leaving in the summer anyway so Mackay's coming in to put his own stamp on things, he should be given the chance to do his own internal review
2: Talking about uh, again though, the, the problem with that call is we've been promised the results of a review in January uh, by the current incumbents of, of Celtic Park, uh, so looking ahead, you know, to throw that one out there with regards to I'm going to retire and Dominic Mackay's coming in was it to buy time was it to, to basically get everybody thinking along the same lines we've we've been told recently by the, the liaison uh, officer JP Taylor that we will be getting uh, a response and he is pushing for that so I would expect that regardless uh, for a response otherwise that's a really poor bit of engagement and communication from the club and um, if they don't if they don't come back to the fan base now when we're talking about short term Colin you mentioned short term there we brought in John Joe Kenny short term loan deal with without an option to buy so what we're doing is we're putting games into his legs for another team so he can re- return to the other side uh, at the end of his loan deal on the bench last night we've got uh, Lug Salt and Duffy and El Yunusie Sixty-two and a half grand a week's worth of wages sitting on the bench, kicking their heels. Um, are you tired, Amy, of these short-term fixes? Are you, are you getting to the stage where you think, why should we continually do things on a short-term basis? This is Celtic Football Club. We should have a much wider plan than that.
0: Yeah, I I see the bit stick sorry. I said it was slightly. I said it was sort of disappointing um, and a bit pointless. In this pointless, in the sense that it just sort of seems just sort of like pacifying the. The, the support, right? We've brought a bit. Of, we've done a bit of business. Brought somebody in. Yeah, obviously, you still you're, you're looking to pick up results between now and the end of the season. You're looking to secure second, um, and you're looking to gather a little, a little bit of momentum. But what's the point in gaining that momentum with a guy who's not going to be here, like you say, come come September? That momentum then is just going to disappear. So. I, I advocate for, for Ralston to start and I don't even just mean Ralston, just any, anyone in the youth sort of thing. Give me a name that I don't even know. Just it just sort of looks a bit more like right, at least we're giving sort of try to kill two birds with one stone. Getting a little bit of game time for the youths, but also just trying to go through this transitional period. You're you then you're gaining you're, you're understanding, right? Ralston's not not had like a long run in the team. So then you're going to decide come the end of the season you give them these 10 games or whatever and then you can decide right is he good enough to move on or not and then that's another, I don't know what his wage was. It, was, it was something quite ridiculous, it was like eight grand eh, so then that's that money moved away as well, and more than I, I, it's, it's exciting obviously to see to see Kenny, but like you say, it's sort of like you're doing the dirty work for another club, you'll gain a little bit of um, attention you'll see him on the telly, There's, he's on Sky Sports last night, any club can watch, that sort of thing you'll see him perform pretty well and you think right, well maybe we could go after him in the summer if he's, if he's going to be slightly on the cheap, so it just sort of it's just that whole like, just a bit draining. That like you see, you're just sort of doing the work for somebody else. There's mm. just no sort of.
2: There's no end game, is there?
0: No, there's no end game. Yeah. What are you? What are? What are Celtic gaining from this sort of thing? The other Kenny will be gaining game time. That's terrific. And Everton will be they've got their, their man on show sort of thing so then they could maybe get them signed at the end of the season so it's all money for other clubs but what are Celtic gaining out of it right now yeah they might secure second with it and I'm not saying alright let's not start them then but it's just all these short term problems sorry short term resolutions to try and fix the problems and then the problems just keep coming back and coming up coming back
2: no you're right but and that you know. also that also begs the question about El all right, so when you're looking at right backs you, you've gone to Ralston, understandably so but Elhamid is a right back there was rumours circulating that were called fake news by his agent he came out and basically said he didn't want to go back to Israel if he did, the deal's not been done because he's still a Celtic player we've had no update, calling in relation to his fitness so when you're looking at bringing in this player from Everton, as Amy quite rightly says, to put him in a shop window and probably get half his wages paid by us. Uh, there doesn't really seem to be an advantage to Celtic when we've got an international right-back who no-one knows what the situation is with Hamid. I mean, nobody even asks that at the press conferences. What's going on with Hamid? Where has he gone?
4: Uh, probably anyone's guess is as good as what we can say um, right now on where Hamid is. I, I think, obviously the Kenny thing he's a good addition to the squad that can't be denied he is a a very good player I absolutely agree though that when you take a look at when Neil Lennon came in as a temporary manager when Brendan Rodgers left we left guys um, like Joseph uh, Benkovic on the bench Mm. because we knew that he wasn't going to be there next season we knew there was no option for us to go and spend the money to bring him in so we looked at the squad that we had and we looked to develop for the next season Neil Lennon only came out about a week ago and says the exact same thing. He says that he wants to start looking ahead to next season. And what do we do? Do we go and sign players on pre-contracts ahead of what a squad will be next year? No, we bring in a short-term, temporary replacement for someone we've just sold on for £11.5 million. For me, it shows there's no confidence in Neil Lennon from the board that he will be there for next season. They're not even starting to plan for next season yet. Because there's a lot of players that will probably be leaving in the summer. Um, And I think between now and then, it's just going to see what you can get out of them, what you're going to have as a squad, and then take it from there. Guys like Ieti, can he form that partnership with Edwards? I think it's a a damning thing that he was brought in ahead of Griffiths. What does that say for Lee Griffiths? Will he be here next season? Is his time now up at Celtic? There's been rumours he's fell out with Neil Lennon. We, we don't really know what's going on there. His fitness has been an issue all season. We do have to look at the squad and who's there um, and see how, how much he can get out of them now that the season's pretty much over. There's not going to be any more trophies to contest for. It's just about performances now.
2: Now that you've brought them up, let's go into it. And I won't keep this up for long, Amy, because you can't see over the top of it. Patrick Murphy brings up the subject of a Yeti. I'm not going to get overly excited by one decent performance from a Yeti. Ideally, we'd like to find a partnership that would work on a consistent basis. Anything from now is all too little too late. Now, in terms of that partnership, the question for me would be, you're talking about rumours, Colin, about Griffiths. I mean, all you need to do is read between the lines of the interviews of Griffiths and Lenny um, Pre- and post-match there obviously is an issue and in between those two interviews he's hooked at half-time as well so whatever happens in the changing room stays in the changing room but there's an issue you know that much just by going with what has been said and by the actions and then last night you know Griffiths is on the bench Clamalla gets uh, game time before Griffiths does so it's clear to me Griffiths is out the, out favour at the moment so that leaves us with Edward and Ayeti now I don't want to go back to one up front because I think Edward suffers uh, one up front. Last night, I actually felt that he was up for it. I, I really did. Now, there was loads of occasions where he did too much. He took on an extra man. He's in the box. He's surrounded by three or four. It could well be that he doesn't have that outball that he's looking for, and it makes him look a bit greedy from time to time. But overall, I thought Edward was back to something like the Edward that we know. And fell in love with And will probably lose in the summer But in terms of his partnership, Amy Do you think, Ayeti, again I'm surprised sometimes when I look at the age of Ayeti We always think about Ayer And Edouard as being young players Ayeti's only 23, you know. Anthony Ralson's 22 Um, Do you think that we can form a partnership Edouard and Ayeti? Um, I'm shocked that he's 23 I really am Um, I think it's
0: one of those ones Edouard uh, and that partnership is sort of kind of what we're going back to not quite obviously because Kenny's a lone deal but you're looking Edward's away in the summer so building a partnership between him and a Yeti. yeah I'll do a Yeti's confidence great and then Edward will be off in the summer and he'll be left again that's the way that I see it um, maybe that's just been a little bit too too pessimistic but I just don't see Right now, yeah, of course he's going. To, it's great that he got ninety minutes last night. He's gaining a bit of confidence, a bit of game time. But he's forming a partnership with a partner who's not going to be there next year. Um, I think I, I know a lot. Don't agree, but I do think by September Lee Griffiths will probably be set at number one unless he's still on that that naughty step, like you said. But I still think he's the most prolific scorer that we've got. Um, I'm not saying I, I don't. I don't know. I'm sort of contradicting myself here. I don't then want Edward not to be playing between them and the summer. Of course, you do. But from a from a point of view, from a Yeti, is it good for him to be building a partnership with Edward when it ultimately it's going to crumble in the summer? I'm Not sure, especially because it's looking like he's a guy who's who needs a bit of confidence, needs a bit of reassurance. I You sort of feel that he was right, just starting to get comfortable with Edward, probably suiting his style, and then it all it all capitulates, capitulates. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, David Boyle comes in to say, for me, a Yeti is the future and Griffiths is the past. We cannot rely on him anymore. Time to move the team forward. However, we need more width in the team, not strikers. This is why we are so narrow. Width has been an issue all season for Celtic. Aldo on our YouTube channel says, a Yeti will turn out to be a great player for us if he can get a run of games and be allowed to form a partnership with Eddie. Griffiths repeatedly lets us down, unfortunately. I think there are other areas to that. I get what you mean, Amy, in relation to... You know, the Eduard situation where we fully expect him to go in the summer. But what you want is you don't want a situation like in Cham, where the player and, of course, their value regresses to such a stage yeah. where you know you're you're letting a player go that is worth, you know, he's potentially worth a lot more. I mean, in Cham, yeah, you know, he was so frustrating, but they were talking about him going to Porto for, like, double the amount we are going to get mm-hmm. from Marseille if that, that permanent move materialises. So what's your thoughts on that, Colin, in in particular on the Lee Griffiths situation. Has he had his final chance? I mean, I think we've been all very, very uh, patient with Lee Griffiths and it looks as though uh, Neil Lennon's run out of patience with him.
4: Yeah, um, I think this this could be Lee Griffiths' last season at Celtic. Uh, I think if you take a look at a new management team hopefully coming in in the summer, you've actually got the basis of quite a young squad there. Um, You take a look at guys like Chris Ayer, 22... Sorrows only 22 Turnbull 21 Mikey Johnson 20 Ayeti 23 Klamala 22 and you've got guys that are there that have been can offer the experience that aren't that old either James Forrest I think is only turning 30 McGregor still in his late 20s as well so there's a lot of experience there that you can build the team around um, but Lee Griffiths he's been a fantastic servant to Celtic when he's been on his best form Um, and he gets chance after chance after chance and obviously you've got to be very careful with him because he has been through a lot and at times like in the summer when he came back unfit he hasn't helped himself but there's been other times where it's been sort of out with his control. I think for his benefit going forward he would be better seen out his career at another club Um, because I don't think he'll be able to fight his way back in to be the number one striker that he once was at Celtic Um, his times probably came and gone and I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on in the summer
2: Now where, where does he go? what level are you talking here because there's always this feeling that he might end up going to Hibs and you know uh, finishing his career off there what kind of level could he play at when you look at the issues with his conditioning this season Colin and you look at the, the set up down south I mean he went to Wolves previously goal scoring record wasn't bad but um, many would say he didn't cut it down there
4: yeah no he didn't and that's how he ended up at Celtic um, otherwise he would, he'd be talking about him probably playing lower half of the Premier League you look at some of the players that play in that those teams if you get the goals that Lee Griffiths could get you um, he would be there but I think Hibbs wouldn't be a bad shout I I think he could probably do something um, at some Premier League sides in Scotland would he maybe move abroad for a fresh start that's always an option Um, he's got a very similar career trajectory as Anthony Stokes and I just hope that he gets more of a career than what Stokes ended up having after they left Celtic
2: is Anthony Stokes even with a club now I mean obviously you had the situation at Livingston who are doing particularly well I think obviously he went there, didn't like the plastic pitch and has never been seen since which is a shame because you know he was a player that when you think back to Neil Lennon's first spell at Celtic he was pivotal to that that whole kind of regime at Celtic he was one of the guys that you think of um, as is Chris Commons and uh, Joe Ledley and all these types of players, Charlie Mulgrew of course was Lenny's first signing uh, Mark comes in welcome back Mark you are uh, watching this on YouTube we have to have a strong man who deals with the players agents. someone who will not just agree to the players demands and the reason I brought this up because it, it goes back to the director of football uh, question as well some might think we've never had one Um, when Kenny Dalgleish came in with John Barnes although he wasn't called a director of football it was a similar role I I forget what he was actually called what the the title was when he was announced as part of the dream team in the Celtic view Um, but director of football obviously allows the the coaching team to deal with the training pitch and the selection and the stats and all that kind of thing um, football related everything else a lot of Coaches and managers Don't really want to get involved in calling. They don't want to talk about Negotiating um, You know Sell-on clauses and, and wages And I think what's happened Previously is That's been a job for The head of recruitment In consultation obviously With the CEO Do you think that Part of the restructure Amy To become more of a Forward-thinking club um, Is to employ A director of football Do you see Celtic doing that? It's just sort
0: of The fashionable thing Right now isn't it? Um does any club really know exactly what the director of football is doing I think everybody sort of has a different job criteria whichever club it is um, if it be Craig Levine's role at heart or all these different other positions it's the first one that springs to mind um, I don't really I don't know again I, I generally do think it is fashionable right now I think it's, in, it's the next sort of like trend that's, that's coming along in the football world I don't know if it's exactly what Celtic need or want again and that comes down to this this new ceo what he what he sees going forward um is it just quite another big wage that you're paying i don't i don't really know um i think i think i'd like to see a, if you had a model club who's really really succeeded with it and i can't think of one off the top of my head um i think then you would maybe go right that could that could be the mode that we sort of want to follow but like i say right now i just feel it be oh we've got a director of football it's quite a a snazzy job to have but that could just be me
2: what's your thoughts Colin I mean there there is a tendency for a lot of clubs to go with trends but then when you're looking at things like the structure of our football club um, the focus that we have currently on data analysis, how that can be improved recruitment, how that can be improved youth development, get that back um, on the table at Celtic Park because obviously it's not producing enough players, some of the, the circumstances around that Colin, as you've quite rightly said are beyond the club's control the director of football takes a lot of the onus of these tasks away from the 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 football manager
4: Yeah I mean I get Amy's point about not really having an example here in um, Scottish football because there hasn't really been a success story in Scottish football I think the one that probably springs to mind over the last couple of years was Craig Levine at Harps and that was a complete disaster for them Um, but it has been a success in the likes of Germany you see guys like um, Oliver Kahn, who's pretty much the, the Bayern Munich sort of director of football over there. Um, and there's been a time at Celtic before where we should have brought someone like that. And I'm thinking under the, the Ronnie Dyler um, era, where you know that he had the support from John Collins, but he did need someone else above that as well um, to, to help him out and guide him through, especially during the, the, kind of, the troubling period he had when Chris Collins was having a go at him um, and stuff like that so if you're looking to completely change the structure of Celtic I think the first step has already been completed with Peter Lowell leaving I think Peter Lowell was far too involved in transfers to the point where we lost out in transfers because of the way that he handled them you do need the chief sort of negotiating person in there and that's what you're hoping that you have brought in with the um, person that's in charge of recruitment but when Peter Lowell gets involved at times it can just go right downhill we've already spoke about how we lost out on players like Piccini because of it um, and even taking a look at the negotiations on the Olivier and Champ thing the, the first uh, word was that we were going to get £10 million for him and then the negotiations ended up at four and a half or five where you're at right now so There's been a lot of discussion on whether Peter is a good negotiator and Anthony Hamilton says you can see the two sides of him. Sorry, Anthony Haggerty, not Anthony Hamilton. You can see the two sides of him. But at times, it's just been far too involved. And the director of football needs to come in if you are going to go down that route and have the understanding that he will have full control over things like that.
2: Absolutely. Now, um, you've mentioned previously that we had spoken to Mark Hughes yesterday, Colin. Um, for anyone who's not seen the interview, tune in on YouTube. It's about an hour long. Uh, and obviously, when Mark Hughes left Southampton, he was replaced by Ralph Hasenhuttl. I hope I pronounced that right. And uh, he was on the back of his second nine nothing dropping last night, which begs the cu- the, the question from Mark. You notice the flawless link there, Colin. Mark says, Any, anyone think Fraser Forster will be back and go for Southampton? We, we've been talking all season about Tony Mowbray moments. This is Lenny's Mowbray moment. Imagine waking up after a 9 You drubbing. Surely, surely um, you, your job would be hanging in the balance there, Colin, even at Celtic Park.
4: One of the most interesting things is that I've seen um, Southampton fans speak about it and as much as it was devastating to them, They still think that he is the man to take them forward. He's turned it round from when they got beaten 9-0 off Leicester. Uh, They've they've actually had a very good season so far. Um, Last night wasn't helped by the fact that they got a man sent off after about 40-odd seconds uh, for what was an absolutely shocking tackle. Second red card definitely wasn't a red card. um, And Man United are playing very well. So that will probably be forgotten about already and they'll start looking ahead to their next game. But what the funny thing is, if you've ever seen uh, Portsmouth's um, Twitter account, when Leicester beat them, beat Southampton nine 0 they tweeted out congratulating Leicester on equaling the the record for the Premier League's highest score. And then last night they did the exact same to Manchester United. So that's just a, a good bit of banter between those two teams.
2: I like I like the banter on um, the banter on uh, Twitter. Uh, but obviously there's a there's a flip side to that where there's a wee bit of classlessness shown by certain teams uh, where they're looking for consistency, so we'll leave that there as well I mean, on the one hand you've got the crack Colin and on on the other hand you've got uh, obviously what happened last night with Scott Brown what was your thoughts on that Uh, Scott Brown I was watching this morning where they look at the an ex-referee you you mentioned earlier he done well with the penalty he certainly did uh, because it was never a penalty but I think Celtic should have had a penalty before that at least once Um, Edward was brought down a couple of times it was a soft penalty Colin I felt um, when Ayeti came down but I didn't think there was much in the, the Scott Brown incident what was your thoughts on that
4: Scott Brown's got to be careful um, he is going to be highlighted for anything that he does um, and if you look at it out of context he, he could be seen to, to kind of throw his arm about um, and that's been a staple of Scott Brown throughout his whole career it's just the way that he plays now he took that far too far when we played against Livingston and he got sent off that was a complete I, disgrace I agree with um, and when you look at the standard of refereeing in Scottish football, it's terrible it's absolutely atrocious and that's across the whole league there's not one referee that I would say is of any decent standard so when you're doing things like that then you're giving the referee a decision to make, as he did with the penalty which was very, very soft Um, and you do things like having um, Scott Brown throw his arms about, you're giving the referee the, the opportunity to make that decision and when you know the standard's terrible you should never leave that in the, the referees like don't give the referee the decision to make.
2: The referee this morning was saying it was more petulant than um, aggressive or violent conduct um, Amy, I, I get what Colin says because I think uh, the, the Livingston incident I just felt re- really let down by him to come on as a club captain and do that and it was a, it, for me it was, I read yes, the referee couldn't wait to get it out of his pocket uh, but last night I, didn't, I think there was uh, a lot of drama about nothing to be honest with you what was your thoughts on that from Bruni who, by the way, I thought Brown had a, a very, very good game
0: yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, yeah, I think it was a whole lot of trying to make a whole lot of something out of nothing. Um, I think there was just a whole demeanour around Brown last night. It, there was there was an aggression, but not an an aggression, but not in an aggressive way. More just in sort of like a fired up way. Um, and I like, you like to see that, of course you do. But he does need to be careful, of course he does. But he knows that. If, and like you say, especially in the back, of what happened at Livingston, as Colin highlighted, the referee is not the not the strongest. And if they see any sort of incident involving Scott Brown, if an arm's flown out or a leg's kicked, of course they're just going to whip out the cards because they know themselves. If they don't, or if they do, in the morning it's going to be on the it's going to be all over the press because it's Scott Brown and it'll be them if they they sent him off then he's a Rangers fan and if he doesn't send him off then he's a Celtic fan that's just the sort of debacle that this is and it's a merry-go-round and it's been the same it's a cycle that keeps going and going so yeah he needs to be careful but he's not stupid like we're not talking about an 18 year old boy coming in here and he's just trying to like put his stamp on a game but no I I think last night would have been a little bit too harsh Um, but yeah you've just got you've just got to be cute and you've got to be you've got to be wise because of course they're going to send them off if they get the opportunity
2: you know the other thing I wanted to talk about is the you know the European aspirations of our football club I think this season and in previous seasons we really have um being sobered up by the fact that we're nowhere near being a European side and yet we did have um, a good performance in the group stages of the Europa League last season, going back to Incham, um, many of our fans travelled to that show to watch that game, Colin but obviously the news that you know around about 2024 the, the structure of the financial element of the Champions League may benefit clubs like Celtic, for example if indeed we qualify for the tournament. I always think back to the, the the start, I always go back to as a Celtic supporter is from 64 to 76 in 12 years Celtic qualified for the quarter finals of Europe, at least the quarter finals of European competition on no fewer than 9 occasions, 9 and 12 seasons Celtic were at least at the quarter final stage of European competition, an absolute powerhouse in European football now I think everybody uh, involved in the game would realise that those days won't return because football has changed um, to a Point where the financial element of Scottish football is never going to allow us to compete to that level but what you would hope for Colin is that the incoming uh, CEO this restructure the strategy that you hope that they have over a period of let's say five or seven years is going to involve where do we see ourselves in European football um, when that happens where do you think Celtic realistically can see themselves in European competition in the next five years
4: I think Celtic going forward, um, and I think that's pretty much the whole of Scottish League, it'll be Europa League. Uh, Europa League will be the place where you see the Scottish teams performing on a regular basis. Um, the, the Champions League is the where the money's at. It's where you want to aim to get to. But the way that they're going on with the Champions League, it's as if it's becoming a more... Um, inclusive space they're, they're just closing in um, you look at the teams like down south the top four in England don't need to qualify they're already in If Celt- Celtic finishing second this season um, puts it into the non-champions route, there used to be the same amount of non-champions that could qualify through that route as champions, now I think there's only two spaces um, and I think it's the same for champions that are out with the top 10 or 11 um, leagues in Europe as well Germany's got four teams France have got three teams Italy have got three teams and they're not qualifying they're automatically in there you're going to see the fourth place team in England probably make it to a quarter or a semi-final and that's just the way that the Champions League's going and for us it's getting harder and harder to get to that level it's going to be the odd time that you do it it's not going to be a normal thing the way it was um, for Scottish football sort of at the turn of the millennium when at times you even had two teams in the group stages of the Champions League it's just not going to be a thing anymore. And especially with this creation of the new UEFA Conference League, Celtic and Rangers will be playing at a Europa League level and the odd time they'll make the Champions League. It's something that is probably a, sort of a view of the way European football is going, not so much Scottish football, as that's just the way that they're heading because they want to try and make as much money as possible. And the sort of idea of the Champions League being the place where the champions of Europe's leagues go to compete to see who's the best those days are long gone the old European Cup that's just a distant memory the Champions League now is just a money grabbing tournament
2: in saying that um, when I was Amy's age when Wim Janssen uh, led us to the league championship that year if somebody had asked me will you see Celtic playing in a European final in your lifetime the answer would definitely have been no Uh, so you just never know you know, uh, so when Amy's sitting at my age in in twenty odd years' time, um, you just never know how the game is going to develop, Colin, and what part, what league Celtic will be part of. I think that's obviously one of the biggest issues. And we're talking about these things, even though we can't compete in our own league at the moment. Uh, we've got bigger fish to fry before we talk about it. But obviously, with the incoming um, CEO, you would hope that that would be part of the strategy. And and let's relay that back to the supporters. Where do you see us? Um, in terms of uh, a European force and what are we going to do to get there now it's been a it's been an excellent uh, bulletin loads of comments coming in on Twitter Facebook and YouTube if you haven't done so already um, you will notice that we're over 9,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel that's all free of course and we are in you know, continuing to put as much content as we possibly can on the channel, not only live broadcasts, but things like yesterday where uh, we're able to get an interview with big names like Mark Hughes, and we'll put that out on the YouTube channel as well, so please subscribe. Uh, But all that's left for me to say is Colin Watt and Amy Canavan. Thank you once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.